0: A mighty feast of hot, steaming
1: music brought to you in stereo by BostonFreeRadio.com.
2: Boston Free Radio has no corporate agenda. We're independent media for the people. Your music, your voice, your station.
1: What's good, y'all? The indefinable Sterling Golden is in the building. This is the Chop Session, held down by 320 Entertainment. We thank y'all once again for locking in for our award-winning series here on Boston Free Radio. 60 minutes of thought-provoking, intimate conversation with the names you need to know now. Family, in case you sleep on an episode of The Chop Session or you happen to lock in late for a Monday night premiere on Boston Free Radio, say less. We got you. You can stream each and every episode of The Chop Session wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All y'all got to do is search up The Chop Session with Sterling Golden and hit that subscribe button. And this week here on The Chop Session, we have for y'all one of our most important conversations of the season. Now, as many of y'all know out there already, this coming Friday marks the 45th anniversary Super Deluxe Edition release for Destroyer, the iconic studio album from Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, the hottest band in the world kiss we're talking about one of the biggest music releases of the fall 2021 season and this week here on the chop session we have a man on the line from new york city who played an important role in the creation of the iconic cover art representing destroyer this man was also the art director for 20 of kiss's albums from the 1970s through the late 1980s his name is dennis Wolock, and he is on the line this week here on The Chop Session. Dennis, happy Monday evening, sir. Welcome, what's good?
2: I'm doing fine, how are you?
1: Doing great, sir, it's a great honor to have you on this week. I know you have a long history with KISS and with this huge Destroyer 45th anniversary drop this coming Friday. It's a great time to not only discuss your role in that record, but also your history with KISS, and it's quite a storied one, at that. As a matter of fact, prior to, from what I understand, uh, prior to designing the cover of the great Kiss Alive album that kicked off the great series of live records that Kiss have done throughout the decades, you also had a hand in the very first Kiss album back in 1974, their self titled debut. Not many fans may know this, but for those who don't, let's get into how you're involved in the first Kiss album.
2: Well, just a little. Um, you know, Bill coin uh, asked me if I could come down to the photo studio. Uh, where they were shooting their, their first album cover. Everybody was uh, excited about this, the fact that, you know, they got signed and uh, they were going to come out with their first album for Bill Coin. And Bill said, you know, they, they put on makeup, but they don't, they don't put it on very well. They're a little sloppy with it, and I'd like you to help them with that and get it, make it look a little more professional, neater. And I, I, uh, I said, sure, uh, you know, I'll try. But uh, then I thought about it for just a little bit, and I, I thought, you know, I can, I'm an art director, so uh, rather than myself doing it, uh, you know, if I can find somebody better to do it than me, I, I'll do that. And so I called uh, David Bird, who is a, a great illustrator, has done a lot of show business-related uh, projects, did Broadway shows. Uh, I think he did Jesus Christ Superstar and Godspell. Just two off the top of my head, plus a lot of good work. If you look up his website, you'll see a lot of great work. So David jumped at the chance. He said, yeah, I'd love to do it. And he came down with a few assistants, and uh, they more or less helped. But uh, some of the guys, uh, you know, didn't really need help. They, They were putting it on okay. Maybe they just emphasized the fact that they should do it a little neater. Um, Peter, I think did need most of the help. So they kind of did his whole face. Uh, and you can tell by looking at the photo on the first album that that makeup didn't survive very long. It changed, you know, uh, they, right. they got a little too detailed with it and it's not the greatest cat makeup, but, uh, anyway, uh, they, they were there, they helped and that was my contribution. I just, you know, uh, the thing was designed by the record company. Right the album I mean as were the next two uh trust to kill and um hotter than hell uh, they were done by the record company so uh I was not involved in those my first one was alive
1: it's a shame to learn that you weren't on hotter than hell because the stories from what i understand about that photo shoot are legendary but i guess we'll have to
2: which one hotter than hell
1: oh my god hotter than hell yes the after-party images, that front cover, that wild yeah, photo session. Yeah, I wasn't session. there.
2: That was Norman Seif. He was kind yes. of famous at the time. And he, he was out in California, and I'm, I'm in New York, you know. Right. And uh, so they just did what they did, you know. And Bill Corn was, um, what should I say? He was uh, feeling his oats. He was really happy about everything, and he was uh, directing everything and setting everything up. And, you know, he was... He was just really into it, so uh, I wasn't involved. I wasn't even yeah. consulted. Uh, and besides, they didn't know that I was going to be a, a good designer. Um, I was I was uh, the art director of an ad agency. Yes, uh, and that's very different than being like a graphic designer who does rock and roll album covers. So uh, they probably never gave me a second uh, a second thought.
1: Let's talk about your time with that ad agency and how that connected you into the world of music you've done some other artists too besides kids like Diana Ross among others but let's talk about that connection from ad agency to the world of music
2: well uh, you know I'm sitting there doing uh, advertising and designing for the ad agency and whatever clients that we had they none of them were uh, show business clients not really um, there were just a lot of them were business to business uh very dull, stuff you'd never see as a member of the public. It was like, uh, like I say, business-to-business stuff. Uh, I did some Wall Street stuff. I mean, very different than show business, very different than rock and roll, very different than the recording industry. Just just work, you know. Right. And um, we, we did work for the diaper industry, you know, babies, diapers. <laughs> 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 and in the morning, I'm... I'm I'm uh, interviewing babies for some print ad in the afternoon, I'm down on Wall Street uh, looking at these high-powered gazillionaire guys and uh, it was an interesting job to say the least, but it wasn't rock and roll. Um, The closest I got was, we had a client called American Greeting Card Company. Mm -hmm. American American Greetings were the largest, uh, second largest greeting card company in in the country, the largest being Hallmark. And uh, somebody that knew my boss struck a deal with them to do a series called superstars. And we were going to get recording artists and take their lyrics and turn the lyrics or part of the lyrics anyway, uh, into a greeting card. So you take a little bit of the lyric and put it on the front of the card and have a picture of this, uh, you know, superstar. And then you open up the card and then the next line or two of the lyric would be in there and somehow this would be, you know, your message to whoever you were sending it to. So um, uh, like Bob Dylan, it would say, baby, all I really want to do, uh, or all I really want to do, and then you turn it and it says, is baby be friends with you, uh, which is a, a lyric from one of his songs. So right, yeah, I, I uh, designed a lot of greeting cards with these superstar people. And uh, and then we had also posters and stationery. There was a whole little package that went with each star. That was the closest I got to music business and rock and roll. But I got to meet a few people, you know. And uh, but many years later, or at least five years later, uh, along comes Bill Coin, who we knew, you know, before he was involved with Kiss. Uh, we knew Bill from the advertising business because he was in advertising. Yes, he was a director of commercials. And he was sharing office space with us. And when he when he met Kiss and decided to try to manage them, you know, they were there uh, from day one. Uh, Bill met him on a Tuesday, and they were in the office on a Wednesday. Yeah. So uh, I think I'm the only person alive, by the way, who was there from day one. I'm not kidding.
1: You know, I'll say that too, besides uh, the co founders, of course, uh, Gene Simmons Paul Stanley. I've been Stanley. for
2: wives and girlfriends. I'm not, <laughs> they
1: don't count. Yes. You know, for those out there, by the way, in our Boston listening audience who may not know, uh, the original KISS manager, Bill O'Coin, actually has uh, regional ties to our area. He worked with our local PBS affiliate. He's uh, from Boston, yeah. Yeah. GBH. Yeah. Yes, he is. You know, so for those. That's of,
2: right. Yeah. He had that little
1: uh, accent. Yes, he did. All the time. Yeah. He certainly did. You know, now yep. let's get more into Kiss and Dennis Wolock. Now, the first album that you were art director for was of course Kiss Alive, September of 1975. And of course, you've heard the stories from fans a million times over throughout the generations about how influential that first Kiss Alive album was upon them musically, visually. It really brought that Kiss live experience home to the listener. They curated an experience on vinyl, unlike any other concert album prior to it. And there was Dennis Wolock getting involved in the art direction for that cover. Let's talk about right. you know how you went about designing this cover, what your thought process was. I mean... Here you are. Nobody knew at the time just how legendary this album would be, but let's talk about creating the cover of Kiss Alive.
2: Yeah. um, Bill comes to me after their first three albums. You know, uh, their first three albums did not exactly set the world on fire. They didn't sell well. They were very, like, lukewarm. And uh, I really believe uh, at that point, you know, I suppose if you read Chris Lent's book, Kiss and Sell, Although I don't know if it's I don't know if he talks about it in there because Kiss, Kiss uh, Chris came aboard a little later he wasn't there in the beginning uh, anyway uh, the first three didn't sell well and I do believe that Kiss was uh, it was a last ditch effort this alive album it was like if this doesn't go uh, they they're, they just won't exist anymore or at least the coins not going to be managing them anymore I mean there was no money there was no sales there was no nothing so. Uh, Bill came into the art department because you know he, we, like I say, we shared office space. He was right down the hall, and he said, "Dennis, uh, you know, what, uh, we're gonna we're gonna come out with a, a live album, and uh, how would you like to design it?" And I said, "Oh, I'd love to design it, Bill. I mean, I don't know where he suddenly, you know, got the uh, confidence in me that I could do this. Maybe maybe I was doing other little things, and he could see that and." Uh, so I said, I'd love to do it. You know, I was the youngest guy in the agency. I was rock and roll guy, you know, raised on rock and roll. <laughs> and, uh, yes. And uh, he uh, he offered the job to me. I said, yeah, I'd love to do it. Uh, he explained that it was uh, a live album and uh, it was going to be a double record set. So the uh, album opens up uh, to accommodate, you know, both, both records. And uh, so instead of just a front cover and a back cover, we have the front cover. And then we have the inside front cover, uh, which I call page two. And then there's page three, the inside back cover, and then the back cover. So it's four surfaces I've got to deal with. Um, He said, we have a a photo that we think might make a good front cover. Um, And I'll have the photographer come up here and give it to you. So Finn Costello, who was the photographer, uh, came up to the office and he hands me a a 35-millimeter slide. Small, small slide, and I look right. at it with my loop uh, on the light box, and I say, "Yeah, that's uh, you know, I like that shot. That's a good shot." Uh, I said, "I have nothing, nothing bad to say about it. I think that'll make a lovely front cover." I said, "It's uh, not live, though, is it?" Finn? He said, "Oh yeah, it's live. It's live." I said, "No, it isn't. They're standing there posing. Come on, it's obvious. No, it's live." He said, and he insisted. So I gave up. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was a little language barrier with Finn. uh, So uh, designing the front, and I also suggested to Bill, I said, you know, the idea of coming out with a live album is to capture that excitement, right? Uh, That is their stage show. And um, uh, Bill felt that that wasn't coming across in the record sales. And if we could only get that across to... Uh, the kids out there, the people buying the albums, if we could only get across that stage show excitement, that maybe they'd sell some more records. So that was the idea of coming out with a live album. Um, and so I had that in my head. I said, well, yeah, okay, certainly. And I have the front cover photo. That looks pretty good. Um, but I said, "Don't uh, let's, let's call it a live. What do you think of that, Bill? He said, oh, I like that. I said, okay. Now, I didn't know that maybe somebody else had done that previously. I I had no idea. It's been pointed out to me that somebody else had called her album alive, but whatever. I I didn't know, but I thought it was better than just live, you know, alive. And, um, it has that, you know, with the exclamation point after it, it has that, uh, immediacy. Also, you ever see these old circus, uh, not circus, carnival, uh, posters that were painted on canvas, uh, if you can find one now from the 40s or 50s, you'd be rich. I have, yes. Uh, you I've know, seen these. JoJo, the dog voice face boy, and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, Henrietta, the bearded lady, and wow. all that stuff. Yes. The sideshow, mm-hmm. sideshow banners, they called them. Yes. A lot of times they would have the word, alive, painted on it. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. That was, might have been in the back of my mind, too, when I came up with that alive thing. But uh, so... Uh, the front cover, I just used the photograph big as I could get it, bleed off off all four edges. I didn't want to design it uh, quote unquote because that would ruin it, and I didn't want to inflict my any of my personality onto the thing. I wanted it to just be what it is, have the photo speak for itself and and small. Because I didn't want typography to get in the way. Up in the upper right-hand corner it says "Alive," oh, bing with the exclamation point. Yes. So that was the front cover, and I kind of designed itself, at least in my head. Other designers may have done it differently, but that's the way I did it.
1: Well, um, yes. You know, one these, thing. I, uh, one thing I wanted to ask yeah, about. One thing I wanted to ask about when it comes to Kiss Alive, actually, since we're on the subject, is with the handwritten letters that uh, Bill Lockoin requested for the inside of the gatefold of Kiss Alive. I've heard a rumor throughout the years that perhaps uh, the Peter Chris letter may have been done by the hand of his wife at the time, Lydia Chris. Is there any truth to that?
2: Oh, that's totally true. Um, Bill said he wanted liner notes from the guys to make it personal to the fans. Now, liner notes, you know what that is, right? Of course. That's just typography. Yes. Uh, their their thoughts and words would be set in type. It would be a paragraph from uh, each fella, each member of the band, and uh, that would be it. But I'm thinking, oh, keeping with the live concept and the immediacy of everything and the excitement that we're trying to generate here, I said, hey, Bill, how about like handwritten notes like, you know, with different pens and different pieces of paper, like they like they sat down in their room at night and they wrote a note to the fans. And, uh, you know, and then I'll, I said, I'll take those four scraps of paper and I'll lay them out and I'll bring them down to my photographer, David Spindell, who's very good at still life. And he'll use a big view camera, a big 8x10 view camera, to capture every little bit of detail and little piece of texture on the paper and little blob of ink and, you know, They'll shoot it with that eight by ten view camera, and we'll yeah. we'll have this great shot. We'll light it really nice, and it'll be the notes from the guys. And Bill said, "Okay, I like it." You know, he didn't give me any any uh, if-ands or buts. Yeah, do it. So we collected notes from each guy, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, Peter, as I am told, is uh, I don't want to say he's illiterate, but <laughs> he. Can, <laughs> He doesn't spell very well, and he can hardly write. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he struggles. He, he's, right. he struggles with words, and you know, so instead of struggling and making it look like a like a child wrote it, yeah, uh, his wife wrote it. His wife wrote it out. Now, it may have been some of that may have been Peter's words, but it's, it's wife's handwriting. And uh, also, Peggy, uh, our, our writer at the office, Peggy Tamarkin. Her name. Right. Her name was Peggy Greenewalt now, but Peggy Tamarkin at the time. And I think she wrote some of those words for some of the guys. Uh, you know, like Ace is, you know, she put the personality in, you know, about being spacey and uh, gravity and whatever that note says. I can't remember exactly. And uh, Right. And uh, Gene's thing about being a demon, uh, et cetera. You know, and Paul's thing about being a lover. Right. Um, so she, uh, I, I don't know how much of that Peggy wrote, but she wrote some of it, I think. So uh, that's how that got done. Page three is an ad for their first three records, which I thought was brilliant to put in there. You know, hey, if you like this, you might like these, right? And um, so that was just page three and didn't require any big concept. Uh, The last page, uh, again, they handed me a photo. They they may have handed me several photos uh, for no particular reason. But I see this one with the fans holding up the sign, and I said, "This will make a great back cover. It's just perfect for the back cover. and what I'll do is I'll just crop the top of the photo off, and I'll use the top for the track listing and other credits and uh which is what I did, so I had to design that little piece up there. Then I also came up I thought the idea of saying one, two, three, four instead of side one or you know." Track five or whatever they usually say. Yeah, I said one, two, three, four. Like if you're in a band and you're counting down before you start playing, mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, bang, 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 bang. You know, like that. So yes. uh, I kind of tried to you know hook it up with the live feeling a little bit. Uh, but it may be subtle, uh, but there it is. Okay. And uh, that's uh, that's how live
1: happened and the rest as they say i don't want to sound cheesy but i have to say it the rest is history as they say well yeah yeah yeah
2: it outside... is history and uh, it really put them over the top didn't it i mean uh, or at least it put them on their way i think to world fame certainly uh, did they became they became world famous uh, certainly after the next album uh, because alive uh, started the bowl rolling and then the next album, which I know we're going to talk about, is Destroyer. Um, when that came out, boom! I mean, I mean, it uh, it really hit the fan, and they were they were world famous practically overnight.
1: I love it, man. You know, so much dope information about Kiss Alive right there and your work on that album cover. Now, for those who are locking in late, this is the Chop Session. I am the indefinable Sterling Golden. This is Boston Free Radio. We are on the line this week with Dennis Wolock, former art director for Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, the hottest band in the world, Kiss, talking about his work on over 20 different Kiss albums, most notably the iconic joint Destroyer, which drops this Friday from Universal Music as a 45th anniversary Super Deluxe Edition set. If you haven't heard by now, y'all, we're talking about a four-disc collection, okay? The first disc is the entire album remastered by Abbey Road Studios. Looking forward to that. The second disc is a collection of Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons demos from a tape from Magnographic Studios, August 75, leading up to Destroyer. The third disc, a wealth of, God, single mixes. We're talking about outtakes, instrumentals, and the brand new acoustic remix of Beth. If you subscribe to my Spotify playlist, you've heard that on Lituation Airwaves 2. And then, of course, on the fourth disc, an entire KISS show from Paris, France, May of 1976. Absolutely pick it up on kissonline.com, or if you want, you can stream it as well on Spotify, Apple Music, and so on. Do this, okay? Anyway, in case you sleep on an episode of The Chop Session or you lock in late, say less, we got you. Check out every episode of The Chop Session wherever you listen to podcasts. All you got to do is hit that subscribe button after searching The Chop Session with Sterling Golden. Now, Dennis, Obviously, Destroyer is the main topic of discussion this week. We can talk a lot about the cover itself in just a moment. But first, let's talk about the inner sleeve of Destroyer. All y'all out there, if you know the album on vinyl or even the remastered CD from throughout the years, you know the inner sleeve has that shouted out loud, join the Kiss Army advertisement premiering the new Kiss Army fan club. Many of y'all don't know out there. The KISS Army logo is the work, in fact, of one Dennis Wolak. Let's talk about it.
2: Uh, Here's a story about that. Uh, You know, I I was uh, working uh, with my friend Vinny, who I hired at some point, uh, to come and relieve some of the burden uh, that I was feeling in the ad agency. I was was just overwhelmed with work and too busy. So uh, I asked Vinny to come in. and uh, So he was working alongside me on different projects, what have you. and. I was out one day, and I was—I came in, and there's Vinny, and he was doodling around doing something. I said, "What are you doing?" He said, "Well, there's a the, the Kids fan club. They need a logo." I said, "Well, you know, that's good." I said, "But why are you designing it?" I said, "I'm going to design it, not you." You know, because I was the I was the uh, uh, vice president of the agency, and I was the uh, art director, right? And uh, I, I was the one who assigned the work, basically. You know. And uh, so he said, all right, knee hand, you know. But what he was doing, what Vinny was doing was he was, uh, his his initial idea, his little pencil uh, ideas were uh, like a military patch, like a military feel to it. Because it's that army, you know, KISS Army. Because so, uh, yes. they were calling themselves the KISS Army. Uh, uh, we didn't come up with that. The, the KISS fan club came up with that. So I sat down, and uh, for the next uh, two days, uh, I designed that logo. And uh, I had to do that lettering to make it fit into that little triangular shape, which <laughs> I busted my balls on that because <laughs> I'm not really a a letterer. But, uh, you know, we can't give every job out to freelancers, although I would love to, uh, because there are people out there who are supremely talented and who can do these things, you know, better than uh, than me in a lot of cases, depending on what it is, of course. So, but I, I, you know, we couldn't, like I say, we couldn't give every job out. And the logo for the Kiss fan club, believe it or not, at the time, did not seem like a very big deal. It just seemed like it could be a little logo that you'd get in the, you know, the, the fan club newsletter. And, uh, you know, just like crappy ephemera, but not uh, not something that would have legs and live forever. And the uh, lexicon of history, <laughs> so <laughs> you know. So I, I so I did the job myself instead of handing it out and paying money to have somebody do it. And uh, and there it is, you know. That's 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 the logo I did, and uh, uh, and boy oh boy, they uh, used it on everything, didn't they?
1: They certainly did, you know. And it represents the Kiss fan base to this day. And of course, we're talking about forty five years after the album's release. The KISS Army logo still appears on merchandise. It's still used to represent, you know, the fan club. It's pretty amazing how that has stood the test of time. And now, of course, we move on to the front cover of Destroyer, which...
2: And by the way, when somebody asked me about designing the KISS Army logo, I always say, yes, I designed it, but it was from a concept by Vinny DiGiolando, and I want to make sure I get that in there. He uh, he, he, uh, gave me the germ of the idea, you know.
1: Right. Right, hey. Anyway,
2: there you go.
1: It has, uh, what, front it,
2: cover. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, ask. Ask away.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, now for those out there who are in the know, you already know that it was the great artist Ken Kelly who did the front cover of Destroyer, but it was Dennis Wolock who played an important part in the connect between Kiss and Ken Kelly to make that cover happen. Let's talk about how you got Ken Kelly on board to do the cover of Destroyer.
2: Yeah, right. I mean, uh, you know, you have to know what the art director's uh, role is in, in any project, and uh, very often, especially if it's a graphic job and, and not some job that has a lot of words, that would be the copywriter. And, but uh, uh, if it's going to be like a graphic design sort of visual job, uh, that concept begins with the art director. It 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 manifests inside of his head. And I'm the guy that had to come up with the concept and the ideas. And there was a lot of, a lot of pressure, uh, especially after Alive uh, was a hit. And uh, all of a sudden, Kiss is famous. Because they weren't, they weren't really famous before Alive. Now they are famous. So now I'm designing an album for a famous group, whereas when I was designing Alive, I was just designing an album cover for a group. But now they're a famous group, almost world famous. So yeah. I'm feeling, feeling that pressure. Uh, not only that, but this is the first, the second album I'm doing for them, but it's the first one that I'm doing from scratch, from concept, scratch, from from zero uh, to uh, cover. Uh, the other one I didn't do from zero; was handed a photograph, uh, other material that I put together. This one is zero to completion, and it has to start with me. So, um, I. I wanted to make KISS look, first of all, larger than life. And they have these wonderful uh, you know, costumes that they wear, which are really not visible on the first three albums. Uh, even on Hotter Than Hell, you get some idea. You see little snips and pieces. But that design was all like small photos here and there and kind of busy. Uh, but I wanted yeah. to show them in their full glory. I also wanted to make them not only larger than life, but I wanted them to approach superhero warship stuff, you know. Yes. And uh, and and that's where my head was at. And I said, okay, now that I've got that in my head, and you know, uh, we got we got the the title as Destroyer, uh, which of any, by the way. Uh, Suggested and they liked. So uh, anyway, so I got Destroyer. And uh, and I want to make them look like superheroes. And I want to show their costumes. And I want them to look larger than life. And this is all suggesting to me fantasy art. Fantasy art like Frank Frazetta does. Frank Frazetta being the godfather of all fantasy art. Absolutely. Frank died in, I don't know, the early 2000s, I think but he still reigned supreme, the best that ever was. And, uh, you know, he did Conan the Barbarian and, and The Death Dealer and some of these really iconic paintings. Um, most of his stuff was done for comic covers and other things like that. But, he, would, he you know, he did oil paintings, and they were beautiful, beautiful. So I wanted Frank. Frank. Frank was the man. And a marriage of Frank Frazetta and Kiss would have been a marriage made in heaven. So I tracked him down. It was not easy to find him. You know, they're not really listed in the telephone book. I didn't know where he lived anyway. Somehow I tracked him down. He lived out in Pennsylvania. And I get his wife on the phone, and uh, she said she was his manager also. And I told her what it was all about and who this group was and how they were perfect together, him and Kiss and Frank. And she said, nah, I don't know. She she didn't want to give him the prize. She didn't even want to tell him about it. I couldn't get past her. Wow. Very frustrating.
0: Mm.
2: Very frustrating. Because I knew that I said, just let me talk to Frank. I know we can get this thing done. Let me, you know, artist to artist. So finally, after the second or third phone call, she puts Frank on the phone. And, uh, you know, Frank, Frank was uh, a no bullshit guy. You know, he's a. not a dilettante kind of an artist at all. Frank was an ex-Marine. He was uh, practically a pro baseball player. You know, he was a man's man. Uh, pretty tough guy, but what an artist. And so I'm talking to Frank and I'm explaining. The clothes they wear, they they have this stage show that they blow off fire. Even then, they were doing it. It wasn't big, but they were doing it. And uh, so he got interested. And what it came down to was uh, money. And I said, uh, I said we have to buy your artwork outright, all uses. I mean, we can't say, okay, here's some money for the front cover, and we can't use it for anything else because a lot of times that's the deal that the artist will will want. I said, no, Frank, I can't do that because it's going to become part of their marketing. They're going to take that image, whatever it is that you create, they're going to put it on lunch boxes. They're going to put it on shower curtains, and even then, I knew. They're going to put it on on, uh, underwear, (laughs) whatever they can think of, (laughs) to sell it. So this is marketing, and they're going to market the hell out of it, Frank. So I'm not holding anything back, and I'm not hiding anything from you. They're going to take your art, and they're going to use it and and sell shit. And he said, all right, and I think he said $15,000. And uh, uh, at the time, that was a, a, a king's ransom. Uh, we could never pay that much. I mean, maybe five right. grand, six grand, maybe seven grand, maybe,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but a fifteen. Mm-mm. And I knew that wouldn't go, so I didn't even bring that uh, offer to my boss or to O'Coin or to Howard Marks. I just said, "Ah, oh, Frank, you know, that's we're, we're not going to get together on the money." And he said, "Well, you know, too bad. And then, All right, too bad." And while I was talking to Frank in the heat and the heat of this negotiation it was like late at night which is when i finally got him and i'm sitting on a on a folding chair in the middle of my living room mm-hmm. a wooden wooden folding chair which was a sort of a designer folding chair it was really cool yeah but it was a folding chair and the thing the thing collapses in the middle of me talking to him <laughs> i mean it just i mean i just fell on the floor right on my ass oh man and and a, and a big crash uh, and, and I'm sitting in a pile of wooden splinters.
0: <laughs> oh, my God.
2: Frank, Frank said, what the hell was that? He, he heard it. Oh, man. And I explained to him, I said, my chair just collapsed. I'm sitting on a pile of wood. And you should have heard him laugh. Oh, man. A loud, loud, hearty laugh went on for, you know, 15 seconds. And uh, I rem- remember that very clearly. But, you know, Frank and I couldn't get together. Too much money. So, I, uh, I'm i I'm screwed now. I said, what do I do? I had no backup plan. And I don't know any other fantasy artists out there, really. I mean, I, I know there's a guy named Boris. I remember that name. Boris v- uh, Vallejo, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but I, it wasn't Frank Frazetta. He was good. Uh, and I, so I said, well, I know there's a comic book store uh, walking distance from the office. So I head over there one afternoon and um uh I know I'm feeling the pressure. I mean, I'm feeling the pressure. Uh I have to, you know, if I don't if I don't come up with something that's absolutely re- at least very good, if not excellent, I feel my re- my reputation is going to be on the line as an art director and a designer. Then yeah. they say, "Ah, oh, you turned out a piece of crap, Dennis." You know, oh shit, fuck, you know, I'm screwed. So, um uh, I walk over there, and it's a, big, it's a big comic store. They have a giant wall filled with comics, floor to ceiling. Uh, plus, they sold, I think, action figures and games and things like whatever related to superheroes and comic stuff and all of that. And I'm standing there, and I'm just staring at the wall full of comics. I, I can't tell you how many there were, but there was a lot. I'm trying to focus on them. like my—you know, and, and I'm nervous. I'm nervous because I'm feeling the pressure. So I'm not calm enough to look at each one and say, no, I don't like that. Yeah, this is good. I'm just sort of – it's all a bit blurred to me, and I'm just staring at it. Finally, I'm able to calm down. And I'm looking, I'm looking. And I see a comic. I pick it up. It's creepy. And uh, the co- on the cover of Creepy was a uh, a painting of a robot. And the robot is just standing there, and he's like in a room. looks like computers in the background, but kind of hazy. A lot of haziness, a lot of – like a little smoke and haze. And that, that, I don't know what the story was about whatever he was illustrating on that cover, but the robot looked like he had just been through a fight maybe because he had like a little dent mm-hmm. on his metal body yeah, and maybe another little dent somewhere. And, and his face, he had a face that looked uh, uh, sad or exhausted or he was full of pathos. You know, he had, there was a lot of emotion. In that and i think that the, the painting quality was excellent and the the emotion that he got was great and i'm looking at the signature and i can't really quite read it uh i could read i could read ken i think or k that looked like ellie but the first letter i don't know what it said you know because it was kind of fancy the way ken signs things so i bought the thing i bring it back to the office I go to the, the inside where they have all of the publishing information. I call up the publisher. I get the art director or the editor or somebody on the phone. I say, I got this creepy in front of me. It's got the robot on it. It's uh, whatever issue it was, whatever month. I said, I want to I contact this uh, artist. And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, yeah, I'm his manager. <laughs> I said, you're not his fucking manager. I said, give me his goddamn number. Stop Yanking my chain, right? I don't have any time for this bullshit. <laughs> Everybody wants a piece of the action. Exactly. So you know, he see like, what do you? You know, you're not pulling." I've been in this business a long time, Charlie. You know, stop it. Just give me his number. So he says, "Yeah, yeah, okay." Ha ha ha! Like it was a big joke, and he gives me his number. And I talk to Ken. I get Ken on the phone. I tell him what the project is. Ken is all over it because Ken has been doing. He's also doing creepy. Uh, creepy covers and and other comics, not getting paid very much. Actually, pathetically little. Pathetically little. So I get Ken in, and I say, my only concern here, Ken, is I think you can paint great. I said, but when you come in, bring work, and show me people, if you have people, with, you know, humans. Because I don't know if you can do humans. I see you could do a robot, but I don't know. Can you do a likeness? I said, these are four guys. They're specific people. We have to capture their likeness, even though they wear makeup. We still have to they have to look like them. And uh, this is my concern. So he shows me his work, and I say, yeah, I think you can do it. And I give him the job, you know, and uh, I explain the job to him. I act it out. I said, you have to be larger than life. I want the point of view to be a little lower than eye level, a little around belt level, like looking up at them to make them look like they're bigger than you and better than you and they're superheroes. Actually, the background is a uh, a conflagration of some kind, and uh, now I'm standing on a chair, and I'm raising my hands above my head, and I'm saying, "You see what I mean, Ken? Like that? Ah, we are the best. We are a kiss. We are superheroes. We're you know." He says, "You get it? You get it?" He says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it." Absolutely. And uh, so he uh, he goes off and he does the job and he delivers the job and it's it's absolutely great. Uh, and it was done in all brown and orange tones, which was his preferred palette. He liked to work in those colors. And uh, and then Bill O'Quinn comes to me and he says, you know, they don't wear those costumes anymore. And they changed their costumes. Now they have all new costumes. You have to do the whole job over again.
1: Oh, uh, yes. This is a famous story.
2: My heart went from wherever my heart is to, you know, about a foot below. Right. And I said I said, you know, you don't know what you're asking. I said, This painting is 40, 48 inches square. I said, This guy broke his ass, he worked for weeks on it. And you can't I mean this is not something you just toss away and say do it again. It just isn't. I mean, you're asking too much, man. And he said, Oh we gotta do it. Well I get Ken on the phone and thank God I offered Ken more money than he's ever seen in his life. Yes. And uh, he was so thrilled with the money. He didn't really uh, complain that much. And I said, well, since you're doing it over, I said, I really don't like that brown-orange tone to the whole thing. I said, I want it to be colder, bluer, bluer and purpley and bluey. And I said, the background, which is burning down, then you can have your flames and your orange and red and yellow. I said, that would be a nice uh, contrast to the... To the rest of the painting, which will be blue, the sky and what have you. So he said, "All right, you know," and he did it and turned in another masterpiece. As far as I'm concerned, and uh, everybody loved it. They were knocked out from from uh, from the start. They just loved it. Nobody had anything to say about it. I mean, nobody said, "Oh, can you fix that or do that?" Oh, except between the first one and the second one, they thought there was a little too much flame and burning, so we had to tone that down a little bit. You know, but I'll say wise, that yeah. it went it went over like great.
1: I mean, Dennis, I'll keep it a hundred with you for this interview. I mean, looking back to when I was a 10-year-old back in what, 1987, 10-year-old me was like, I stand KISS, you know, here I am in 2021, still an aficionado of Kiss's work, from the music to the show and so on. And I can tell you, you know, as a fan, that your work on these album covers, your designs iconic as fuck, okay? It's been seen everywhere, like we said, you know, from merchandise to billboard advertisements to tattoos on fans, you know, it's become as iconic as the music itself on the albums. But for me personally, I think the trio of albums that best represents Kiss visually on album covers would be, in my opinion, the unholy trio of Kiss albums. That would be Destroyer, followed by Rock and Roll Over, and then Love Gun. Okay, now, of course, as mentioned earlier on, Destroyer is the work of Ken Kelly, Love Gun as well. And in between that, you had Michael Durrett rocking with Rock and Roll Over. You know, for me personally, those are the three boldest images, the three most larger-than-life images of Kiss ever commissioned. And man, that's your design concepts, you know? I mean, that's you, Dennis, you know? I mean, seriously... Who would have ever imagined, you know? And now we, here we are in 2021, and the demon, the Catman, man, the spaceman, the star child immortalized on those album covers. To me, those are the three that best represent Kiss visually on an album cover.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you the truth, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, uh, not just because, you know, it was me, you know, art directing everything, but it's just the way it worked out. In retrospect, I look back. I'm glad I tried so hard. I'm glad I, I suffered and walked around and banged my head against the wall, which is what I did. Uh, I, I'm glad I didn't just, you know, follow an easy mental route that I tried very, very hard to come up with. You know, I, I like to compare myself to the best that's out there. I say, is this good? If somebody, if there was some great artist or, or designer out there, I want, I want to be in their league, you know, and, um and and, uh, and so this is what I always strive for: strive for the best, even if you fall short, at least you might fall not that far short, and you'll still be excellent. you know and this is what I was trying to do with uh with all three of those that you mentioned, uh, but especially especially destroyer, because, like I say, that was the first one that I had to do from concept. And yes. so, yeah, I was proud of it. And then I asked Ken after he after delivered the job, I, I think I pissed him off a little bit. Yes. I said, you know, Ken, I need a back cover. I want you to do another painting for the back cover as part of the project. You're not going to get paid any extra. I said, but paint that same scene, but without the guys in it. <laughs>
0: oh, I man. said, it'll be
2: beautiful for my, uh, you know, for the credits and track listing. And so he did it. And then, of course, I did the same thing again when we did Love Gun.
1: Yes. You know, actually, many fans have pointed this out, and I've seen the film in the past, Uh, the film Annie Hall, actually, with Woody Allen. There is a scene where, if you look back in the background in Los Angeles, you see the famous billboard advertisement for Kiss's August 76 concert in Anaheim Stadium, which features those four figures from the Destroyer cover art. Oh, no
2: kidding. What movie?
1: Annie Hall. Oh, Annie Hall, yeah. Yes. And for many fans out there, you know, I mean, that billboard is as legendary as anything they've ever seen when it comes to how over the top and how larger than life, you know, the marketing campaigns for Kiss were and still are. I mean, really, when you look at it, you know, I mean, Kiss are really the artists that first showed other artists, you know, just how big... Advertising and multiple income streams are in addition to the music, like branding, merchandising, things like that. And artwork, like that Destroyer artwork, you know, is a good example of how effective those visuals can be on merchandise, on advertising. Because even in the New York Times, July 4th of 76, there's a full-page ad featuring Destroyer, and that's a legendary newspaper. And there was Destroyer, full page. You
2: which know? which uh, paper?
1: The New York Times Bicentennial oh. Edition.
2: The New York Times.
1: Yep, bicentennial edition, July fourth, seventy six. Full oh, page.
2: Oh yeah, really? By oh I didn't know. I didn't even know. Yeah. Or at least I forgot.
1: <laughs> Pretty huge, you know.
2: Um, you know, there are there's some books out there called uh the album cover album they were put out i don't know what year i'd have to look at the book but it's the book of record jacket book of record jackets and it's edited by hypnosis uh Mm -hmm. which is a great uh english uh, design firm and roger dean and they they did a lot of great albums and uh, and they featured uh Hotter than Hell, Just uh, to Kill, the first album, and then Destroyer, all on the same page. They put them in there, uh, and then there's another one where they showed Destroyer full full page, big giant picture of it. And I think it's the album cover album that you could look them up. Or I don't know. There was another book called uh, Rock Albums by somebody else, and they they're square, the big twelve inch square books. So when they reproduce the album cover, it's practically full size. Very cool. And somebody pointed it out to me and said, Hey, you know you're in a book? <laughs> I said, No, I did not know that. So you know So yes, they got they got notoriety not only in the consumer world, but also in, in the uh, in, in my world, which is the design world. Yes. In other words, other other designers and art directors thought it was pretty cool too.
1: Absolutely, Dennis. Now, for all y'all locking in late this week, this is the Chop Session. I am the indefinable Sterling Golden. This is Boston Free Radio. We are on the line this week with Dennis Wolock, former art director for Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, the hottest band in the world, Kiss, talking about his work on over 20 different Kiss albums, most notably Destroyer, which is celebrated this coming Friday by Universal Music as a 45th anniversary Super deluxe set. Now, for all y'all out there who don't know by now, in case you sleep on an episode of The Chop Session or you lock in late, say, less. we got you. Check out each and every episode of The Chop Session wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit that subscribe button after you search up The Chop Session with Sterling Golden. And by the way, next week, we have Gene Dante in the studio talking about his new music. The following week, November 29th, we have Juliana Amaral of Band Inc. On December 6th, we have Riviera Clothing Company. On the 13th of December, designer extraordinaire Samuel Vartan. And our season finale, y'all, December 20th, on the line, we have the great African boy, on the line from London, talking to us on The Chop Session here on Boston Free Radio. Now, Dennis Wolof, we've talked a lot about Destroyer before that, Kiss Alive, but now I want to talk about the work you did with Kiss after Destroyer. You were with Kiss through 1987, the album Crazy Nights, and so many more iconic artworks on those album covers, from the Kiss solo albums, through Dynasty, Unmasked, God, Creatures of the Night, and so on. So I want to know from you, Dennis, after Destroyer, you know, barring that album and Kiss Alive, what would you say would be your favorite work with Kiss as an album cover after Destroyer?
2: Well, you know, you mentioned the, the three, Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, and Love Gun, as being your favorite Yeah, uh, iconic, uh, iconic ones. I would agree with... Um, Destroyer for sure, of course, being the most iconic. Uh, Definitely. Rock and Roll Over. I, I also agree because, um, first of all, I took my head and turned it, you know, sideways when I did that one, because Destroyer is a voluptuous, uh, you know, oil painting. Uh, it's a fantasy art and superheroes, and I mean, you can look at it, you can see it's a painting, and it's wonderful. It's art, you know, art. Uh, on a, you know, paint brushes on a canvas. I mean, but when they wanted to do the next one, I wanted to do something totally different. And I know Michael Durrett's work because I'm an art director and I know all the good designers out there, at least by reputation. And I know he does that flat, that very flat graphic style. I I thought it'd be a great divergence from the voluptuous painting. It would just the opposite kind of a look. So I love Rock and Roller for that reason. I also love it for the reason that I I thought of that, you know, to, to make it different. Uh, my my third favorite might be Creatures of the Night. Uh, Excellent. I, I might put that in, in front of Love Gun um, only because it's pure concept and pure idea. You have these nocturnal creatures. Uh, it's big and powerful. It's their faces. They've got the glowing eyes. I love the fact that it's almost... Monotone, just kind of blue, black, and then the eyes are glowing. And uh, I, I mean, I kind of, I kind of, I'm just in love with the idea a little bit, and, and the way uh, that it turned out. You know, the way that we shot it and designed it. Um, love Gun. I, see, I was against using Ken so soon after Destroyer. Uh, I wanted to use him again down the line on some other album, but you know, the powers that be—they were so in love with uh, Destroyer that they said, use them again, use them again for Love Gun, do it again for Love Gun. I said, oh, come on, it's too soon. And maybe they didn't think Rock and Roll Over, they, they weren't on board with that as, as heavy as, as Destroyer. You know, I think they liked it. Wow, but it so really? Different. Real? But I think they changed their tune after a little while because Rock and Roll Over is one of the most reproduced graphics ever. I oh mean, God, at least yeah. as much as Destroyer, they got that thing on everything, and um, I had the T-shirt on. This past Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I think more than Love Gun. Uh, I think it's Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over is probably the two most heavily used on, on merchandise. So, uh, anyway, uh, uh, I, I'm going to say Creatures is one of my favorites. Let's put it that way. It's hard to it's hard to rank them after Destroyer. It's hard to rank them.
1: You know, it's uh, funny when but, you say Rock and Roll Over. It's funny to hear that, you know, the Kiss people were initially not com- completely as on board with Rock and Roll Over as they were with Destroyer. Because, as you said, you know, it's been so reproduced since. And I would put Rock and Roll Over right up there next to Destroyer as being this iconic artwork because...
2: Yeah, yeah, I would too. And, um, um, you know... Uh, I I have it in my head. I say, okay, I want to, I want to use Mar- Michael. I, I love his work, and I think he can do this. Um, especially, you know, talking to him, and we're talking about his circular design and all that stuff. Uh, something you could look at from four different angles, all the same, you know. And um, um, But when I showed them, I couldn't just hire Michael cold and have him start on the project. I felt that I had to, you know show the the my boss and O'Coin his work his portfolio and say I want to use this fella here he's uh he's a he's a real professional and he's so good at what he does and it's going to be great it's going to be so different than destroyer it'll be it'll be wonderful to come out with it and they were cold to the idea they oh gee I don't know you know they just couldn't see it they couldn't see his style with kiss right they couldn't see it And I had to convince them. You know, and that's something you don't learn when you go to art school. Right. (laughs) You have to learn how to to talk.
1: Right, right.
2: I used to think, you know, your talent will speak for itself. But that's not true. That is not true. You have to tell people why it's good. And you have to convince them why it's good. And then, oh, they say, oh, I see. So, uh, Anyway, anyway when, Michael, when Michael did it, they, they, they loved it. They did. They loved it. But, but they loved the Destroyer so much, they wanted me to go back to Ken on Love Gun. So we did. And, you know, I mean, it's great.
1: That said, Dennis Wallach, I want to say thank you for taking the time this week to get on the line on the CHOP session. Before we go, how can folks find you online and on social media?
2: Yeah, well, it's uh, wallachdesign.com. W-O-L-O-C-H. Uh, by the way, uh, how'd you learn how to pronounce my name so perfect?
1: <laughs> well, uh, attending a KISS Fan Expo and everybody saying your name properly around me helped a lot, because <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I thought well, was that name was Wolatch, you know. But, uh, what the hell? I thought maybe it was Lotch. I mean, I just uh, you know, figured it out somehow just from hearing everybody say it that day, I think. <laughs> you know, but... Uh, but yeah, man, you know, I mean, your involvement in the band's history is, you know, something to be said is just, it's iconic, you know, and now this coming Friday, we have the release of the Destroyer 45th Anniversary Super Deluxe from Universal Music. Make sure you either stream it or get the full box edition, you guys. Next, yeah,
2: quite a thing. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Next week on the uh, Chop Session, go, go, please, by all means.
2: Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's Wallop Design, that's the... Uh website uh dennis Wallach at gmail is the gmail is the email and uh whatever and uh easy to just put my name in facebook and i'm there so
1: there you go yo next monday we have gene dante talking new music here on the chop session you can find us on social media On Instagram, at Chop Sessions Show, and on Twitter, at The Chop Session, you can find your man Sterling Golden as well on Instagram, at DJ Sterling Golden on Instagram, and on Twitter, at DJ Sterling Golden, with one G, couldn't fit two in the handle, too many characters. And also, don't forget, you can find us on any podcast platform. If you don't catch us on a Monday night, 6 p.m. on Boston Free Radio, just subscribe to The Chop Session with Sterling Golden wherever you listen to podcasts. Dennis Wolock, thank you.
2: You're welcome. Bye-bye, everybody.
1: Thank you. This is the CHOP session, and I say stop. <laughs>